You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Alexa, Stitcher, any of those smart speakers, and of course, Spotify. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this now, what is it, Tuesday, there we go, day after the Pelicans finished their second preseason game, a 116-102 loss to the Atlanta Hawks. Well, the Pelicans are 0-2, and at least they still have their health, right? Not so much. There were some big injuries in this game, potential big injuries, and we're still, of course, waiting on an update for Jaleel Okafor. I'll give you all you need to know about those injuries, maybe why some of this is happening. I don't want to speculate too much, but we'll talk about it because at least it's worth mentioning. We'll talk about the play from this team as well and what we saw in this second preseason game. Are there any trends that are starting to develop? Can you really read into that many trends in preseason? So we'll cover all of that and more, including some news from around the league in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. All right, so preseason game number two, a 116-102 loss for your New Orleans Pelicans. A game where it's on the second night of a back-to-back. We knew some guys would play, some guys wouldn't. And you had a number of guys just not playing this one. Ajinsa was still out, Darius Miller was still out, Nikola Mirotic was still out, and Jaleel Okafor, after suffering that ankle injury in the first preseason game, was out. All expected there. We knew some of the starters would play the first half and not the second half. That was true for Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. Both played above 17 minutes in the first half and neither saw a minute of action in the second. Davis struggled shooting-wise. 5 of 12 from the night, 41.7%, 0 for 2 from 3. Did get to the line 8 times, making 6 of them. Grabbed 7 boards, put in 16 points. Kind of just like an ordinary ho-hum night for him, minus the kind of poor-ish shooting. You usually see him kind of hover in that 50% and above range. But this was kind of how the Pelicans shot on the night as a whole. This is a team that only made 36.5% of their field goal attempts. They were 8 of 39 from 3, 20.5%. So it was a bad shooting night, yet they still managed to score over 100. We don't have the pace numbers just yet. They haven't been updated to the NBA site. I'm refreshing this as we speak. Maybe they'll be there, but I don't think so. Um, And you can tell, though, that this pace was fast. Again, 102 points in a game where you're not really making many things. That'll do it. They had 104 shot attempts on the night. That's how fast this one was. That's not a number that you're going to see very, very often. Nope, the pace numbers are not there yet. But when it comes out, this is going to be fast. Probably right around that 115, maybe higher, um, considering that Atlanta was also pushing the pace. And we'll talk about that in a second here. Drew Holiday, though, bit of a better night. He was 5 of 9 from the field, 3 of 4 overall. He said to the media that he's trying to improve that perimeter shot of his a little bit. 75% from behind the arc is certainly going to get it done. Four assists, two turnovers, finished with 13 points on the night. Basically, you know those guys are good and you're not really worried about them. They didn't get hurt in this game. That's kind of the biggest thing because there were some other injuries. So I think that's just really what you want to see. 
Alfred Payton played a little bit better. Not the best shooting night. He struggled with that in these first two games. He was three of seven on the night, though he did hit a three. He was one of two. But he finished with seven assists, four rebounds, and you could feel him and see him just feeling more comfortable in this offense. A lot of drive and kicks. That's kind of what you want to see him do. Either score at the rim or kick it out and find someone open, either in the corner or on the perimeter somewhere, and he was doing that. Etwan Moore played 20 minutes, two of nine from the field, kind of unmemorable night from him. Solomon Hill was 0 for 4. He struggled. He still doesn't really give you anything on offense, and man, it's kind of rough to watch at one point. You don't want to read too much into preseason stuff, but minus 14 in those minutes, that's not good. He was 0 for 3 from 3. He did get to the line, though, and this is something that we've seen players struggle with in this Pelicans offense, that if they're just missing things, like they're not doing much else. He did get to the line four times, at least trying to finish, and there was more aggression from him, which is kind of what led to that. But man, there's going to be times when he's out there, and this offense might struggle, and I've said I don't think they need that much three-point shooting for the type of ball that they want to play. You're really looking for shots in the paint at the rim in transition, but you still need some three-point shooting, and you've got to have credible guys when you do play half-court offense. The Pelicans aren't going to play more than 30% on the high, high, high end of their offense in transition. So you've got to find ways to score in the half-court when you don't have fast breaks and man advantages, and that's where Solomon Hill really might hurt you. Ian Clark also kind of struggled in this one. Two of nine from the field, 22%. He was 0 for 5 from 3. He started off last season as a sharpshooter, following the ball, and I wrote about it, but as the season went on, he wasn't shooting nearly as much from the outside and kind of took on more of a playmaking point guard type of role. Well, maybe that's the role he needs to be playing. 0 for 5 from 3 is not going to get it done. He was minus 17 in this game. So there are some struggles from some of these guys here so far that we expect to be key contributors. Julius Randle played 20 minutes exactly, though. Man, dude is still a bull. Five of seven from the field, and he made a three-pointer. Got to the line three times, missed all of those. Seven rebounds for him, 11 points, and one potentially rough injury. We'll talk about that in the next segment. We're just going to kind of save all of that for there as we talk about the other guys. Frank Jackson also potentially injured was two of five from the field. He is not shy about getting shots up in these minutes that he's getting in preseason. He's still very clearly making up for lost time. Will he be doing that in the regular season with the second unit where he's expected to get some burn? And I'm starting to believe that he actually might be a bit of a contributor this year. We'll wait and see. But again, he left injured. Um, this one's more of a precautionary thing. The one we're worried about right now is Julius Randle may be worried about Jaleel Okafor as well. So we'll talk about that in the next segment coming right up here. So don't forget the Locked On NBA podcast never went away this offseason and is still here for you every single day. Locked On NBA is your daily national NBA podcast. Every Monday, get the local experts on the biggest stories and then stay with Locked On NBA throughout the week with daily 30 minutes on everything going on around the association. Follow for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On NBA. So with the injuries, and of course, talk about some of the other guys here with this team, but we do need to touch on these because they're kind of the biggest story of this. Julius Randle was out there trying to attack and was fouled by Atlanta's John Collins and hit the ground hard. 
he landed on you know his, his back, his butt, his tailbone, and he left the game after that. And it was loud, like very loud. And you've got to hope it's not a broken tailbone or just a bruise or something like that. But it's not ideal when basically your third best player goes down in preseason game number two with an injury like that. Frank Jackson also left Monday's game early on. Um, and he had a mild ankle sprain that they're calling. He just sat due to precautionary reasons which, with how the Pelicans are faring with injury so far, which, of course, it's just the most Pelicans thing ever. Um, I think that's a smart move. Everyone should be in bubble wrap at this point, and we should just let the reserves play and just go into the season and try and kind of figure things out. So that's concerning. Maybe this has something to do with they only had five and six days really of training camp, five days, less than that, to really kind of get ready before back-to-back games for games one and two of the preseason, which is probably, when you think about it, a really fucking stupid idea, I'll be honest. You don't want guys necessarily playing back-to-backs in preseason when you don't even want them doing it in the regular season that much, let alone maybe not being fully in shape after such a limited training camp to be able to kind of go through. So I think that maybe has something to do with it, though. Part of these are just also freak accidents. Randall just kind of hit the ground hard after a foul. There's not much you can really do about that other than now just hope that he's going to be Okay, Jalil Okafor is getting an MRI in New Orleans today. Once this team returns, they, the x-rays came back negative. That's good. No obvious break there. And hopefully no ligament damage or anything else that the MRI might be able to reveal. So we should get updates on all three of these guys. I would assume Frank Jackson's okay. Julius Randle, we don't have an update just yet on. And hopefully we'll get one soon. Um, because I think that's kind of one of the bigger things here. And certainly this team could use some good injury luck already. But now you got to worry that they're going to then have used it up during <laughs> before you hit the regular season. So not ideal no matter what during all of this time. So some other things to note from this game. You got to see a significant number of backup guys get some minutes. Troy Williams did play pretty well. Finished with 11 points on the night. 4 of 11 from the field. 1 of 5 from deep. But he got to the line 4 times. You kind of want to see that. Grabbed 3 rebounds. He's kind of just that wing guy that you, you kind of use as a spot-up shooter maybe. I think that's kind of the role they're looking for him to potentially play. Someone that they can then maybe wave in January or use in an unbalanced trade. Something like that. I wouldn't be shocked if he makes the team just for those reasons alone. Trevon Blewett got some action in this game. He was 2 of 3 from deep. That's what you want to see out of the Pelicans two-way guy after impressing in summer league. So cool. He came in. He made his shots. It's nice to see him do that in an NBA game. Jared Jack got some burn. 13 minutes, 15 seconds. Two of six from the field overall. Two rebounds, two assists along with a turnover finish with six points on the night. The backup point guard spot is very unsettled for New Orleans behind Alfred Payton, behind um, Drew Holiday because he'll play some lead guard too. So I think Jared Jack's likely going to be the guy to do it. Darius Morris played little under five minutes. Did not do too great in that time period, though he did have two assists, but was 0 for 2 from the field. And you can see he's kind of fallen out of this preseason rotation. Though maybe they keep him around. Hopefully they do. Again, I'm rooting personally for the guy since there's injuries abound on this team right now. Diallo got 20 minutes in this game, 1 of 5 on the night. He took two three-pointers. I don't know if that's really what they want him doing. He was his springy self with six rebounds um, and got to the line four times, making three of them. But his shot and his offense ability just really hasn't been coming together. And you've got to wonder really what's going on there. 
Brandon McCoy, newest Pelican, of course, played in this one as well, tallying 14 minutes, three of nine overall from the field. He took a three-pointer too. He's got a bit of range. Eight rebounds and maybe played better than Diallo in this one, which isn't necessarily saying much. But when you look at Diallo, and this is probably a topic for maybe tomorrow when we can really dive into it, his game has not been developing it the way the Pelicans probably would have hoped, that we would have hoped, and maybe they're starting to look kind of at him and his future a little bit differently. So in the next segment here, we will talk about what else we saw from this game, and that's mainly the defense. You don't want to read too much into preseason, but there's definitely a couple of concerns and trends that we're starting to see develop, and we'll touch on those here, as well as one or two other things from around the NBA. So before we get to all of that, we're going to switch gears here for a quick second. And I don't watch a lot of NFL football anymore, but I did tune into this past Monday night game because Pat Mahomes is pretty fun to watch. But every now and then, I'm going to tune into Locked On NFL, and it's quickly becoming everyone's favorite daily NFL podcast. It lets me catch up on just what I need to know around the biggest league still in the United States. Monday, it's the local experts, just like on the Locked On NBA podcast, on the biggest stories of the week. Tuesdays, it's former NFL QB Sage Rosenfels, and he joins Matt Williamson. Wednesday, it's Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. Thursday, it's the great Mike Sando of ESPN and Friday you get Matt's picks so make sure you tune in to Locked on NFL to catch on up on everything that's going on around that league. So some other things to note from this NBA preseason game and I mean really there's not a ton to take away when guys aren't, aren't out there trying that much and also you don't have the Pelican starters playing in the second half or Randall leaves and all of a sudden Atlanta goes on a 37 to 14 run when they're playing guys like John Collins and Trey Young who looked pretty damn good in this game for a rookie and the Pelicans are playing guys that aren't going to make the roster for the regular season of course Atlanta is going to go on a run but there's still some concerning things we talked about points in the paint with the Bulls the other night well the Pelicans gave up 72 in this game it starts at the perimeter guys being able to drive and then either kick it out or score at the rim where you're not seeing the rim protection that we saw from this team last season, partially because Anthony Davis isn't trying nearly as hard on the defensive end as he had during the regular season where he finished third in defensive player of the year, I think maybe second. And I said he probably should have won in my opinion, but I think that's kind of what's going on here. Randall's a bit of a liability and pick and roll coverage when he drops back. You can see he's usually out of place on this. And this was very evident with John Collins kind of dunking over him a couple of times and playing him down low. That's a concern going forward that we kind of need to keep an eye on. I like his rim protection in terms of one-on-one style, but in pick and rolls, he kind of gets a little bit lost and can be a liability out there. So this starts really on the outside going in. It's not guys posting up the bigs down low. It's guards driving, dumping the ball off, rotations being missed, things like that. That's two games now. Again, we don't want to read too much into preseason, but if it continues and continues and continues, something could be a concern right there. The Atlanta Hawks also pushed the pace in this one, leading to them getting a lot of shots. Pelicans had 104. The Hawks had 105. They played fast last year, too. They were a top 10 team, eighth, I think it was. But this is lightning fast for them, and it allowed the Pelicans to get burned a little bit in transition, in fast break. They gave up 19 fast break points. They want to kind of cut that down and score more of it themselves. They weren't the most efficient transition team here. They also weren't efficient at it last year, and it's sheer numbers that kind of make up for it. So do they continue to struggle in the fast break in transition and not score nearly like they should? Or are they going to be able to kind of get this more under control if they really want to be an elite 
offense. Those are things we're looking at. So some concern there. The three-point shooting as well is a bit of concern. Eight for 39 on the night. Again, 20.5%. That number does need to be higher to properly space the court. And AD's a monster when you put him out there with four shooters. We haven't seen Mirotich play once this game or this preseason. We haven't seen Darius Miller do it either. Each one more has been a little bit rusty. He was 0 for 3 from 3 tonight. That should get better, so you expect that number to improve. Still, again, worth keeping an eye on, though I don't think they need that much three-point shooting, maybe in terms of attempts and volume, but certainly you'd like to see the percentage be there for this team to continue to improve and be that scary offense that we really think they're capable of becoming. So some interesting things around the league. If you watched an overtime game, and I don't even know who won because that's how little I care about this, between the Wizards and Knicks, I mean, it's like, I don't even know, a slap fight, pillow fight, something like that. Just two really stupid teams, though I kind of think the Knicks might be fun, but the Wizards, just a bit of a disaster in my opinion. The Wizards had four, four technical fouls in the second quarter of a preseason game. We thought Boogie was bad for the past kind of year and a half that he was here in New Orleans. Holy crap. Four technical fouls in a quarter in a preseason game. I That's one that's kind of new to me and is kind of pretty surprising. And I don't really know what to say other than that's just awful and kind of just undisciplined ball. And I don't know what the hell's going on and just kind of speaks to the dysfunction there that goes on in Washington. I'm just really not happy about ever about that team probably. And I mean, come on. So this is just very surprising to see. Another thing to mention that I do want to let everyone know about here is Patrick McCaw, role player for the Golden State Warriors, who is a restricted free agent, is turning down a offer, a qualifying offer. There's conflicting reports about it from the Golden State Warriors. Staying a restricted free agent in a league that has only one team now with cap space, and that's the Kings. So not a lot of options, and this is a guy. Maybe the Pelicans throw him a vet minimum deal because that's all they can offer, but then Golden State just matches, so I don't know why he wouldn't take the offer with them unless he's only looking for a one-year contract. Supposedly, they'd offered him a two-year one, but then that leads to other things, so maybe that's what he's looking for. So who knows? Maybe you see the Pelicans toss out a vet minimum deal there for a guy who's clearly been a player in the NBA, who's had a decent role and was expected to have a bigger role for the Golden State Warriors this year. He also might need to get a new agent and some new representation because this is a very curious move. Considering if he signs a one-year deal with them, he would then still be a restricted free agent next year. And I don't think that's really what he's looking to do is no player wants to be a restricted free agent. Just keep an eye on Patrick McCaw and we'll kind of see what happens there. But certainly kind of an interesting night in terms of real questionable things going on around the league. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Hope you enjoyed watching the game. It's nice to see regular, even if it's preseason, basketball still out there. So thank you all for listening. If you're a new listener, thanks for tuning in. If you've been here since the beginning or joined at any other point in time, I appreciate it. I want to welcome everyone to the podcast as I know we're getting a lot of new listens as the Pelicans get started for this exciting season. So as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 